been set. Many are saying it is much more than anger over one killing. It's anger over more than 400 years of racism and oppression against peoples with black and brown skin, against peoples of color. Over time, and there has been too little transformation. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Redheaded Preacher podcast. I'm Richard Lanford, the pastor of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie. We're an open and affirming congregation within the United Church of Christ. This message was preached on for the service on Sunday, May 31st, which is Pentecost Sunday. And so, given what has what was going on at the time, I'm uh, saying this after the fact as an intro. Um, you'll understand uh, a bit about where this sermon is going. And also, if you listen to the previous podcast, that might help a little bit. That's from May 24th. And so our lector today is Judy Page, and she did read the scriptures in the sanctuary. Uh, as we're still keeping social distance and not having in-person worship. So thank you, and I hope you enjoy and find the message thoughtful and meaningful and maybe even inspiring. Great God, maker of us all, as you poured out your spirit on the disciples in that upper room almost 2,000 years ago, pour yourself out again upon us. Help us to hear your words rightly, to enjoy them and to remember them. May they feed our faith and guide our life as your Pentecost people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our first reading is from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verse 14, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Pentecost is a day when many faraway Jews would be in Jerusalem, celebrated as Shavuot, a festival remembering the covenants God made with Noah after the flood, with Abraham and the Israelites about a new homeland, and with Moses on Mount Sinai. But instead of receiving the law, the disciples received the promised Holy Spirit. The reading begins with the last verse we heard last Sunday, verse 14 of chapter 1. It refers to the 11 disciples after Christ had ascended. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. When the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one of them, each one heard them speaking in the language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, 
Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here ends the reading of the book of Acts. The gospel lesson is a brief one and one we have not featured on Pentecost for several years, although it is suggested in the lectionary for today. It is John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last day of the festival, the great day, when Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive, for as yet there was no spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Here is the reading of John and our scriptures for today's service. May God grant us a wise and generous understanding of this God's holy word. Our service continues with a musical meditation by our music director, Ben Westall. This is a very different Pentecost. The story in Acts chapter 2 is full of motion and wonder, noise, fiery tongues, group reactions. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. At the start and during the outreach, kind of reminds me of like at St. Peter's, we could gather, we could talk about our outreach and our activities powered by the Spirit of God. But here I am, and there you are. Pentecost is a day of excitement and community, but Pentecost is still a day where we joyfully celebrate the mighty acts of God and the mighty drive of God to communicate the good news through things we say and things we do. And then as minister, if we were all gathered together, I'd have this kind of sense of let's, let's get after it and like charge and point to the doors. So this is a very different Pentecost. 
It is also a very difficult Pentecost because my birthplace, my hometown, a city where we might retire, was highlighted by the murderous police action on George Floyd, followed by the flames of furious protests over it and and over the lack of initial legal action. Sitting in our living room watching TV Thursday night, I thought, Minneapolis has really changed. This is not the city that I knew. Then I realized that although the city has, of course, changed since I moved to Chicago, the city I knew, along with Columbia Heights, was as a white person. For all I knew, police were doing stuff like that to African Americans in my fair city for over 100 years, but I was shielded from it. I was unaware. I did not read the newspaper as a young person, except the comics. Race was not an issue where I lived, or so I thought. Eruptions like what we've seen and which have happened on a lesser scale there, but have happened in Minneapolis and the Twin Cities since 2015, can come as a Minnesota surprise to the insulated, the unknowing, the previously unaffected. The previously unaffected. It is not part or was not part of my experience, what's going on, being treated as someone to be suspicious of, to be afraid of, to perhaps be unwelcome when moving into the neighborhood of my choice or being a candidate for a church, uh, enrolling my kids in the school of our choice, in dealing with law enforcement, bankers, or certain churches. I've never experienced that or had to give any of that a second thought in reality or hypothetically. Never had to deal with it. Primarily because I'm white. Always have been. White is a skin color, but also more. Time was, I did not have to think about race or involve myself with racial issues until I saw them as a matter of justice, a kingdom of God matter. That was my choice. If you are a person of color in a predominantly white world, you have to deal with these issues every day, almost everywhere. There is no choice. By and large, white folks have floated above racial injustice and poverty, ignoring them, supporting them, or thinking of change paternalistically. That's part of what is called white privilege, The privilege of not seeing the problem, not believing there really is one, not seeing racism as a sinful force that's been damaging African Americans and America since the 1600s. If you are familiar with the 12 steps, you'll remember that for Alcoholics Anonymous anyway, the first step is the is the step the person where he or she admits they have a problem. Quote, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and our lives had become unmanageable. It is admitting to one's own self she or he has a deadly, progressive, terminal disease. Admitting there is a problem is the first step to working on a solution. And notice, too, the step begins with the plural we. That's helpful. 
Admitting there is a problem or problems, perhaps a previously unrecognized addiction to racism or to Anglos overall being in charge, and not to forget police brutality disproportionately visited upon people of color, is a first step lots of us have been on. Coming to an admission of a personal, systemic, structural, and historic sin is helped by learning again just how long such oppression has been going on. We thank God for agents of illumination. Last Sunday, the theme of Memorial Day and what our brave men and women died for brought me to focus attention on people of color and the poor who often have their voting rights blocked. I brought up some of the racism of this country's past. When I grew up and when I was growing up, I thought civil rights were a live issue since the 1950s not grasping what I was later taught in school, that it went hundreds of years further back. Centuries of being cheated, bought and sold, enslaved and hated, murdered and more, would have a cumulative effect. The gains of the 1960s, of which I was aware of, and mostly all I was aware of, they were hard fought. Martin Luther King Jr. said riots, are the language of the unheard. Our former Illinois conference minister, the Reverend Dr. Jorge Morales, posted in response to the riots in the Twin Cities, the National Guards called in Minneapolis after protesters burned the police station of the four cops that killed George Floyd. The police station was evacuated before it burned down. The police had to leave the area to the protesters. A number of other buildings and fires have also been set. Many are saying it is much more than anger over one killing. It's anger over more than 400 years of racism and oppression against peoples with black and brown skin, against peoples of color. Over time, and there has been too little transformation. Coming to grips with the history, reality, and effects of racism and police violence upon people of color, as a people of faith, in the power of the Holy Spirit, involves listening and learning. That helps one to make a full admission, a la that first step. In church, we call it confession. Some know that step one, some know that step one, they've heard it elsewhere, or maybe in a program of recovery. It's not exactly unknown in common speech. But have you ever bothered to hear what step two is? Here is where Pentecost comes back without having to read between the lines. Step two states, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. A power greater than ourselves, for those in the Christian church, is the Lord God Almighty, Creator Christ and Holy Spirit. We as a nation, and not just the Twin Cities or Louisville or Georgia, need to be restored to sanity. God the Spirit was poured out onto and into the apostles on Pentecost to spread the good news of Jesus and the kingdom of God in language the others understood. People listened 
As Peter preached the fulfillment of prophecy, forgiveness of sin through Jesus and the will of God. The apostles carried the good news to the known world, giving their lives for it. And it's good that they did proclaim these things. The Roman era was unmerciful. Mercy was considered a point of weakness. It was not a virtue. Women were not highly valued. Slavery was a given. If you were not of Roman birth or had enough money to buy Roman citizenship, you had zero civil rights. That was the insanity of those times. The Christian church, in the power of the Spirit over time, brought lasting, profound change to some of these injustices and worldviews. Mercy became a virtue. And I could go on, but that would become another sermon. Throughout history, the church, which has been sinful and wrong many times, and still can be, has also been blessed has also been a blessed force behind protecting women and writers and therefore families. The erection of hospitals and universities, preserving ancient writings during the Dark Ages, and trying to teach love, honesty, industry, forgiveness, and more over the millennia. In America's history, the church was an active part of the abolitionist movement, And then the American Missionary Association, or AMA. That group, the AMA, began many of the historically black colleges and universities, and there is an affiliation with the United Church of Christ because of those, because through the AMA and those, those institutions. Churches also supported laborers who were organizing when few others saw or cared about the protections they needed. We know churches were an essential part of the 20th century nonviolent human rights and peace movements. That's the church in the power of the Spirit. That is acting on the belief that a power greater than ourselves, God, through community, could lead them and the world closer to sanity, closer to God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm in favor of a return to sanity. I'm in favor of transforming the world where it is abusive, needlessly violent, bigoted, and hateful. That includes law enforcement when they cross the lines. I'm in favor of a return to sanity and on to blessed change. Aren't you? That we need that power who is greater than ourselves. And for the Christians individually, And as congregations, that is the triune God revealed in Jesus Christ and poured into believers as the Holy Spirit. The church in the power of the Spirit can be a channel for healing, for works of fairness, and a forum for the dialogues that take place during the times of healing and of positive change. That's church talk. You know, I so often preach for, about, and to the church. And that means my sermons are also addressed to myself, as is this one. What about we individuals, though, who want to receive the Spirit afresh and pursue what makes for peace and righteousness for all? What can we do? Thanks for asking. One thing I found is in a devotional meditation, and it goes to receiving the Spirit. It says... 
Discipline of yourself is absolutely necessary before the power of God is given to you. When you see others manifesting the power of God, you probably have not seen the discipline that went before. They made themselves ready. All your life is a preparation for more good to be accomplished when God knows that you are ready for it. So keep disciplining yourself in the spiritual life every day. Others will see the outward manifestation of the inward discipline in your daily living. And the brief prayer at the end said, in part, I pray that I may discipline myself to, as to be ready to meet every opportunity. I like that. Remember Acts 1, verse 14. This is what the disciples, women and men, did. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together. So developing our own individual spirit-led disciplines of prayer, insight, generosity, patience, etc. This author of that devotional booklet says, is essential before the power of God is given to you. It is waiting in hope. As Isaiah 40 concludes famously, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. However, I am reminded that over 55 years ago, Martin Luther King Jr. wrote a book called Why We Can't Wait. Protests and riots are underscoring that the unheard have remained that way for another generation. I'm also reminded of a quote from Benjamin Franklin, justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. So on our own, as we seek the Holy Spirit's outpouring, we who are not people of color can do some self-teaching by way of reading. I'll mention some things that, that I suggest to read, and I'm going to read the names and the authors slowly. It is my hope that I'll remember to put them in the announcements for next Sunday's bulletin. So if you're interested but you didn't have a pencil and paper, well, first of all, you can hit pause. Or you can wait and see these in the next week's bulletin. Two books that engage at the level of white discomfort at discussing race are Anxious to Talk About It, Helping White Christians Talk Faithfully About Racism by Carolyn Halsell and by Michael Eric Dyson, White Fragility. Others, which can also be educational and important, include why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria and other conversations about race in a newer edition by Beverly Daniel Tatum. Two, by Ibram X. Kendi, K-E-N-D-I, stamped from the beginning, the definitive history of racist ideas in America, that's one, and the second, How to Be an Anti-Racist are good reads. Anxious to Talk About It, White Fragility, 
Why are all the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria, stamped from the beginning? How to be an anti-racist. Now, Beyond Reading alone, is a piece on, there is a piece on the Internet, and there are several, but I'm going to lift up one, well worth looking up and spending some time with. It is hosted by Equality Includes You. It's called 75 Things White People Can Do for Racial Justice by Corinne Shutak. 75 things white people can do for racial justice. Lastly, today, we as individuals as well as churches can find faith-based groups that are focused on transforming racism and police brutality upon people of color. One is the United Church of Christ's own Board for Local and Justice Church for Justice and Local Church Ministries. The UCC's Board for Justice and Local Church Ministries. You can find that on the website of ucc.org. Our Illinois Conference has a Justice and Witness Committee. The Community Renewal Society in Chicago, Community Renewal Society, whom I know some of you have heard of, is yet another place. The church and her allies bring the power of the Spirit of God into finding sanity, righteousness, peace, and justice. That's all kingdom stuff. That is Pentecost good news. All that's missing is us in the Spirit's power. Amen. Bless you for tuning in to this week's Pentecost Sunday version of the Red-Headed Preacher. I hope you will join us again for next week, which will be Trinity Sunday, and which I'm sure will still be uh, talking about to some measure and in some angle uh, with the mess with the current events of the time and beyond this time, really, to uh, because they affect time and space in in the lives that we're living here in North America. Thank you very much again for tuning in. It's always appreciated. And may God bless your week. Bye.